Welcome to a special mini-series of the Future of Supply Chain podcast presented by Gaddick, focusing on the automation and evolution of middle-mile logistics. Gaddick, the leader in autonomous middle-mile logistics, delivers goods safely and efficiently using its fleet of light and medium-duty trucks. The company focuses on short-haul B2B logistics for Fortune 500 retailers such as Walmart and Loblaw. Gaddick's fleet of Class 36 autonomous box trucks are live for customers in multiple markets, including Arkansas, Louisiana, Texas, and Ontario. Founded in 2017 by veterans of the autonomous technology industry, the company has offices in Palo Alto and Toronto. Gaddick was recognized on the 2021 Forbes AI 50 list and as a World Economic Forum technology pioneer. Now let's get into the show. Here's our host, Santosh Sankar. Hey, ladies and gents, welcome back to the Future Supply Chain Podcast. I'm your host, Santosh Sankar. And today, I want to welcome everybody to a special mini-series of the Future Supply Chain presented by Gaddick. On this mini-series, we're going to focus on the automation and evolution of middle-mile logistics. Now, for our audience, we have a special co-host joining me today with Sam Saad joining from Gaddick. Welcome, Sam. Thank you very much, Santosh. It's my absolute pleasure to be here. It's great to have you, Sam. And you are head of strategic initiatives based in Toronto for Gaddick. And here we're together welcoming one of our longtime friends, Mike Placencia at Ryder. Welcome, Mike. Yeah, thanks for having me, Santosh. And Mike, I want to make mention here, you are the group director of the newly announced Rider Ventures effort that you and the team broke headline on earlier this year, as well as leading new product strategy for the Rider organization. That's right, Santos. I'll let Sam kind of do the customary introduction here and opening it up with your story. Thanks, Santosh. As a longtime listener, first time co-host here. I really appreciate how you always uh, ask folks just to, what is their backstory? How do they get into the world of logistics? So in this case, Mike, I would love to hear how uh, you got into the logistics game and then how you got into really becoming an expert in autonomous vehicles and helping Ryder navigate that next wave in supply chain technology. Yeah, love to share the story, Sam. So I've actually pretty much been in logistics my entire career. I've always found my way back to it. Right out of college, my, my first job was actually an industrial engineer for UPS. And so you know, really learned everything about warehousing and last mile and parcel. I went away to get my MBA. And then after B school, I worked on a couple of my own entrepreneurial activities down in South Florida and then ultimately joined on with Ryder in our corporate strategy group. And so really got a chance to really kind of start to build out business cases for new industries that we were looking to get into. And then after about a year and a half, I got an opportunity to actually launch a startup for Ryder. And I moved out to Houston, Texas and started a trucking company for us, focused on the oil and gas sector on the exploration and production side. So I really kind of flapped that operation going out to West Texas and uh, Oklahoma. Went from being the trucker to actually managing our logistics operations after a couple of years. And then after about four years in Texas, I got a ticket back to Miami to join the finance organization on the other side of our business, supporting our fleet management solution. So really supporting our, our financial analytics and, and reporting and a bit of data science around our 600 plus maintenance shops when you think it's a billion dollar cost center. So really 
getting to learn that side of the business. And after doing that for a couple of years, got the chance to join the new product strategy organization. We're really helping to build out the pipeline of new products for the organization. So, so I think I've had around uh, doing the count, nine different jobs in a cumulative 13 years in logistics. I love the space. I think I'm here to stay. And, and I'm just blessed to kind of be in this role now where I get to not just be part of logistics, but help be in a role to help influence the next generation of logistics. Um, and all the technology and new products that are coming to market. And so when we, when we think about new products, right, autonomous vehicles, as they're here, just creates an incredible opportunity. Not, not only does autonomous technology have the ability to influence and change and impact all the products and services we offer today, does it change the way we, we manage fleets of trucks if they're autonomous? Does it change the way customers procure trucks now? And so there's an opportunity for us to really learn how autonomous trucks will, will impact those businesses and how we need to adapt and evolve our products to maintain our leadership role, but also create a whole new set of products and services around autonomous vehicles. Uh, I, I joke that we're never going to build the autonomous truck and we're never going to code the AI that programs the driver, but what about everything else? And that's where it's really exciting opportunity for us to, to really kind of see what else can we bring to market to support autonomous vehicles. So with that, Mike, it's uh, very opportune you, you mentioned that because, as you know, the topic of today's episode is all about fleet management in and around autonomous vehicles. And I'd love to get this kicked off here because just a few weeks prior both Ryder and Gaddick shared with the world the collaboration you two have. So it'd be great to hear both from your perspective, Mike, and, and equally Sam's perspective, what this collaboration exactly is and, and what it means for both parties on your respective journeys. Yeah, no, absolutely. And really excited uh, for that announcement to come out. Gaddick has just been an incredible partner. And so we see Gaddick is, is defining the short haul B2B middle mile autonomous network. And two things that they are just increasingly fantastic at is developing safe autonomous vehicles and proving and demonstrating that value to their customers. And then we see something we're very good at to support them in those ambitions, and that's our fleet management. And so as Gaddick sells to their customers and expands their geographic reach, how can Rider play a role by how can we lease them the vehicles? How can we maintain the vehicles or even park the vehicles, right? So let us develop that core competency for them, which gives them a capital efficient and resource efficient way to scale their business. And we'll provide these other services that we're really good at. And I'll build on that a little bit as well. So we are beyond the moon to work with Ryder. Is truly this company is the leading logistics and transportation organization out there today, uh, providing supply chain and dedicated transportation solutions, fleet management solutions uh, to some of the world's most recognized brands. So for us to be collaborating, it offers Gaddick uh, a national reach around some of our operations, fleet maintenance pieces, and it really adds a tremendous amount of value for our end customers. So we're extraordinarily excited about this. The example Mike said, AV components is uh, a new type of technology to build capability around servicing and maintaining. So Rider's reach right now is again on parallels around some of the legacy vehicle systems 
and very quickly we're collaborating on ensuring that the AV components can also be maintained and serviced at that same level that Rider maintains all other critical vehicle components around. So it's exciting because it's brand new. There's no playbook on this. We are designing it as we go. We're implementing, we're iterating. And at the end of the day, just making sure that we're creating that awesome value for the end customer. And so in order to somewhat base the knowledge for our listeners, Mike, it would be great to understand how fleet management is different or is evolving in a world where we're talking about autonomy and autonomous vehicles. So, so great question. So when we think about autonomous vehicle, there, there's a lot of things that are different from a, from a standard vehicle today. The first is, well, there's no driver in that vehicle to provide feedback on the vehicle for the pre and post trip inspections, alerting someone that certain repairs need to be made. Or so how do you kind of get that information off the vehicle itself through onboard diagnostics or specialized technicians on site that can check out all the equipment on the vehicle? Then you have the autonomous hardware itself with these cameras and radars um, and LIDARs. How does somebody fix those vehicles, right? And now you need technicians that are able to replace or recalibrate these vehicles. And that's going to require training and equipment. And then you have, how does the performance of the vehicle change? Does a driver-led vehicle uh, perform differently from an autonomous vehicle? How does the impact of running at 24-7 or running to more consistent speed or not braking or not accelerating as much, does that change the repair cycle of the vehicle? And, and then lastly, it, it's really the life of the vehicle. With an autonomous vehicle, there's questions on what do you do from an ownership perspective, right? Do you, do you sell it in the secondary market? Do you have to strip it down and to sell it in the secondary market? And if you don't want to do all of those and, and, it, and it's got to be run to the ground with its first buyer, at what point do we say this vehicle needs to be retired? And so there's a lot of different issues that arise with an autonomous vehicle. And those are some of the questions that you know we're looking to answer together as part of this partnership. And the uh, one thing I'm curious about, so I, I guess to, to kind of recap a bit for our listeners there is th- th- there's a lot of, maybe I, I put it as kind of unknowns, right? As we're leveraging assets and utilizing them a lot better in the world of autonomy and in an effort to utilize them better. There's just more maintenance that we believe these assets will need to have. And provided we maintain them, we're able to utilize them either more frequently through the course of a day, but also perhaps longer as well relative to their more conventional human-driven peers. But I'm I'm curious here. You know, we're kind of seeing headlines around electrification, sustainability over the last couple of years. As Gaddick kind of acts on its previously mentioned roadmap of electrified vehicles, how are electrified vehicles different or maybe similar in regards to managing a fleet? Well, first off, I think somebody is going to need to come up with a new acronym for uh, AVEV. I'm going to go with IV. You heard it here. But a lot of, lot of similar challenges, right? I think it starts with the vehicle itself. This is a wholly different engine. And how do you train our technicians to, to maintain this? And what kind of maintenance playbook is required there? Then you also have the, the infrastructure required to maintain them. 
right? What kind of different equipments are acquired in the shop, supplies, inventory, really kind of our, our business has been built around us becoming experts in diesel engine, really understanding, optimizing our inventory for a shop footprint. And so really understanding how does that change with electrified vehicle? With electric vehicles, there's, we all know how long a tank of gas can run. How, how does that change now with battery life? in terms of range of the vehicle and range of the vehicle after years one, two, and three. So a lot of challenges and questions to be answered. With So a lot of challenges uh, and questions still to be answered uh, with EV, just like an AV. And we think, it's, we think it's, uh, it's exciting times, though, for the fleet management business. We saw with diesel engines, right, as, as technology became more complex, there was a, was a bigger need to outsource from customers so they can focus on what they do best in their business and so we've seen with AV and EV, it's introducing new levels of complexity that are more variables that do folks really want to build that competency in these new areas, or do they want to go with an outsourcing partner to help them manage it optimally? Now, I'll add a correlative here. So I kind of often think about AV components relative to their predecessors. So if you kind of uh, think back on William C. Anthony developing the first lift gate in the earlier part of the 20th century, or Frederick McKinley Jones developing the first refrigeration unit, reefer unit that was really commercially ready, probably in the mid 30s or, or early 40s or so. Different fleet owners had to go through the exact same exercise uh, we're going through today with AVs and EVs, but in a much less complex manner. But they essentially had this new hardware. They needed the right tools to be able to operate the hardware. They needed the right capabilities and trainings for personnel. And they needed that in a regional or national level. So building all of that capacity took years and years. And to Mike's earlier point, with these initial units, same with the LIDARs that are coming out today, you can assume that they're going to last five to seven years, but they haven't been in the market and, and used for 12 to 20 hours per day in an operational setting long enough for us to validate what what condition they'll be in in five or seven years, let alone the fact that you have this new and emerging market of different AV providers who may be purchasing five-year-old technology in that secondary market. So there's a lot of different variables here from, from what we need to acquire to maintain systems, how we need to train, and then how we actually calculate how much a lease is going to be uh, charged uh, so that you actually have some sort of amortization value of that vehicle and its components by the time the lease is done. So what does training look like for the next generation of fleet managers? They have to manage a variety of sensors. There's model year requirements. There's calibration because we're talking about self-driving and then Michael previously also mentioned how you have different drivetrains as well, right? As you uh, enter a, a world where a lot of this fleet might be electrified. But what does that look like today? Or, or, or what's the thinking there, Michael, at an institution like Ryder? Yeah, so it's, it's we've been through this rodeo before, thankfully, right? With just diesel engines, right? As, as you develop different models due to EPA requirements, we've had to train technicians on how to maintain different engines across different OEMs. And so when we when we look at AV, right, it's it's how do we develop the first, how do we develop the playbooks 
for maintaining these vehicles and what actually needs to happen with these repairs. Again, like, like Sam mentioned, is what, is the, what is the duty cycle, if you will, of this autonomous hardware, right? And, and how, how do we develop the playbook of when you replace a LIDAR, when you clean one, to when you need to recalibrate them? And as we develop those playbooks, it's understanding, okay, what is the capability of different technicians to perform this work? So with our diesel engine, we've got several levels of technicians and based on their experience and training they've had. So not every technician will do a complex diesel engine repair, right? And so as we learn more about autonomous hardware and the activity that's actually happened, we'll be able to assess what kind of training is required to perform these activities. And it could be a similar environment. It could be a certification that certain technicians have at a certain level, or it could be once autonomous vehicles become ubiquitous, that this may be something that every technician needs to learn how to perform out of the gates. Yep. As I think about what Sam also just said, and and you just made mention of it, Mike, is that we've seen this, we've gone through cycles of new technology entering the world of fleet, be it reefer, be it diesel, be it now electric. And it just might be that these tend to happen not so frequently over, say, kind of 50 to to 75-year cycles. So it's not that organizations, institutions haven't done this. It might just be that it's been a long time. And, And equally, I think that's also why it's such an exciting time to be in and around this industry as we all are. No, no, I, I say I definitely, right? Especially when you look in the past 10 years, the, the preparation that different fleets and providers have made around, well, how do, we, how do we support and maintain natural gas vehicles? How do we support and maintain electric vehicles? So a lot of these questions have been fresh in everybody's mind. And now that that's migrated to now, how will we maintain and support autonomous vehicles? The one thing people talk about with regards to AVs is this concept of climate fencing, Right. And uh, a lot of deployments are still in areas that are relatively light on precipitation, ice, snow, sleet. And I was wondering kind of that geographic concentration, Michael, something that impacts the way Ryder thinks about building out this next generation of fleet management capability. Because I'm sure your fleet managers would love that. A lot of these roles are in places that have great weather, great outdoors, right? Uh, Arkansas, Texas, Louisiana, just to name a few places that Gaddock is active in. Yeah, yeah so it's twofold, right? I think the, the, the solutions we build will be scalable, right, across geographies. But the investment we make in people and locations will be, will be confined. Which, which is great, right? Because if we know this is in the, in the Southern Belt and we know it's going to be in, in these states, we're, we're investing in shops and training and capabilities where we know the activity is going to happen rather than let's, let's, let's invest in our shop in Minneapolis to, to be the premier AV repair shop and then see a truck once a year, right? It, it's, it's not a good investment of resources. And so this constraint actually allows us to be a, much more focused um, on our training and, and the, actually the practice of that training, right? They kind of use it or lose it approach, right? You want to be trained and you want people to actually have vehicles rolling in to, to refine these skills and continuing to build out the playbook and build out the data to support those playbooks and continually um, update them. And so 
that, that constraint is actually, it's, it's a bit of a boon to, to roll this out in, in a very safe um, and, and monitored way. Yeah, that, that's a really interesting point. And kind of how does the playbook or, or how does the strategy shift as you think about partners like Attic entering that hyperscale growth mode, right? And, and kind of growing up to maybe be of a similar shape, size, and have similar demands to some of your larger fleet management customers out there already. Yeah. So like I mentioned, I, I think starting in this, in this, in this, in this geographically limited or climate fence, to, as you referred to it, uh, is a way for us to really lock down a solid playbook. But again, we're building in a way that, that it's scalable, right? So our training and, and the kind of technicians we hire and the equipment we'll need, right? And so our ability is, our, our expectation as they expand to multiple geographies, that we'll be able to expand with them and be that partner. And that's, that's candidly, it's part of the beauty uh, of Gaddick's approach, working with large customers with dedicated like solutions. Most of these customers are operating in many or multiple geographies. And so we'll know and collaborate early on to really have a really confident idea of where the next locations are going to be so we can make sure we're planning ahead for it. Um, and, I, and I think that's important. And Mike, you're right. That is really important. I um, know we've talked lots and lots about what it takes for us to have a successful partnership, both you and I having one-on-ones and then, of course, bringing in folks from our team and our leadership. So I'm curious, uh, now that we're at the stage where we have Riders and Investments, Gaddick, we have a groundbreaking partnership that we're excited to roll out together. Do you have any advice uh, for other AV tech companies out there or anyone in general uh, about how to develop successful partnerships with fleet management companies such as Ryder? Great question, Sam. So, yeah, and obviously the partnership we've developed, uh, just Echo, it has been just fantastic and, and a lot of learnings we've had to how we got here. And so two key things that I, that I think are really important is, is really transparency and collaboration, right? From the transparency, it's where are you with an organization? What are the milestones you're going after? Um, us building the confidence that you don't need to be the winner of the space, but, but that you're somebody that's committed to it and is going to be long-term here. But then secondarily on that collaboration of really working together, right? This is clearly a risk for us, right? In investing in this new technology, but at the same time, it's obviously something we've got the appetite for, but to do that, we really want to have a strong partner who's really going to truly partner with us as we stair step into this, right? And so I, I think with the beginning, from the beginning with our partnership, right? It's like, hey, here's, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna monitor, we're gonna find things that are, are outside of our comfort zone and, and some things that are our, and we will adapt, retrain and move forward at each step of the way. And so, so I think the entire organization, it's just been this great relationship where nobody's felt anything has been pushed on them. And it's just a paced but aggressive timeline for the learnings and operations we're going to be rolling out. That makes a lot of sense. And, and that's been the, the vibe throughout. Keep it, keep it honest, keep it ambitious, really understand the motivations for the partner that you're working with and leverage your strengths. I think we, we've done that uh, very well in terms of helping to build some of that capabilities that we spoke of earlier on maintaining AV systems. 
And then with Ryder, with you giving us uh, that reach to go national nearly overnight, just to mention two of the, the biggest wins here for both of us. It's been a truly fantastic uh, partnership so far, Mike. And since we have this platform, I just want to say thank you. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. No, it goes both ways, Sammy. We, we, we've learned a ton and it's just been real, really enjoyable working with you personally and the rest of the team. The, the one thing I will chime in, being an, an investor in, in Gaddick, knowing Mike for a few years now, is that when we talk about partnerships around supply chain, there's very few instances where there's truly like a symbiotic relationship. But it's interesting that in this instance around fleet management, there's this really interesting value where Gaddick has a new modern fleet pushing the edge on technology helping Ryder also evolve their practice. But equally without the Ryder fleet managers, there is no Gaddick middle mile logistics, right? You, you need to have these assets financed, well-maintained, activated. And, and we could really tell that in, in this conversation that, that there's a true partnership here between both. And, and it's been great to kind of listen in and, and observe at that. But as we wrap up here, Mike, I'd, I'd be curious, what, what's your outlook on AVs as we head into year end and even kind of look ahead into 2022? Any thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I don't think we'll have any kind of earth shattering <laughs> kind of movement over the, over the next uh, two months or so to round out the year. But over the next few years, we're, we're bullish on, on AV and, and the value it can bring uh, to the industry, there's still a lot of unanswered questions, right? Some we need to we need to answer ourselves, right? Which some of which are described today. Others, the AV technology providers like Attic need to answer, improve, and and others, it, it's really the industry to to prepare the world for this, right? Everything from insurance to to regulation, and, but we think we we've got time. We think the technology's there, and so again, we're, we're pretty bullish. This is something that we're going to see. In the next few years, and, and we're more than excited uh, to play a role in it. I think I think the players have been established, right? I, I don't think we're going to see too many new entrants, if any, into the space. So maybe a couple shake out, but I think the playing field is clear, and it can now let people get get down to business and, and really kind of build out the commercialization models. Awesome. Well, with that, Mike, on behalf of Sam here, my co-host this episode the team at Gaddick, as well as the team at Dynamo. It was great to have you on. And I know I personally look forward to seeing where this partnership goes and for success all around. Oh, thanks so much, Santos. Thanks, Sam. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a five-star review and tell us what you liked. And be sure to head over to podcast.dynamo.vc to keep up to date with our latest content or subscribe on the podcast platform of your choice. Until next time.